Welcome to the Perfectly Integrated Podcast, hosted by Matt Ackerman, where we show the power of teamwork in wealth management. Now, on to the show. One of my favorite quotes of all time is, there are many roads to prosperity, but one must be taken. Inaction leads nowhere. Robert Zellick, uh, the former president of the World Bank, said that. And you see, prosperity is all about juggling opportunity and creating options. But it's also about taking a step and making things happen. No one has ever scored a run by safely standing on third base, I guess, unless you get balked in. But, you know, we're not going to start talking about the, the finer points of baseball today. We're talking about financial advisors here. And when it comes to life as a financial advisor, it's all about having options, examining the possibilities and making a move. And right now, advisors have options. And there's never been more competition for the industry's elite advisors than right now. So today I wanted to talk to one of the industry's top recruiters, Lewis Diamond, the president of Diamond Consulting, and our very own Rob Sandrew here at Integrated to discuss the opportunities and options. And of course, that decision-making process that goes along with it. Lewis, Rob, welcome. Thanks for having me. So Lewis, let's begin with you. And, And let's begin by talking about opportunity. Why is now more than ever such an incredible time for advisors that are thinking about making a move? Definitely. And first off, I would agree with you. It is the best time possible for an advisor to consider making a move because there's more competition and there's more interest in advisors with quality businesses than ever before. Two things have to be true for an advisor to move. There has to be pushes and there have to be pulls. Pushes are the things that are frustrating an advisor that would motivate them to even consider going through the brain damage of a move. And right now, um, especially captive advisors, are really feeling the pinch. They're looking for more freedom, flexibility, and control over all aspects of their business. And as they want more, their firms are trying to standardize processes, manage the lowest common denominator, and just make life less fun. So there's more advisors who are in play than any time that we've seen the last number of years. But on the flip side, the polls, which is where advisors would be pulled to or, or where they would want to join, it's never been more compelling for them. The independent space is obviously on fire, and there's so many upstart platforms and supported players. There's great broker-dealers. On the W-2 side, there's really no winner. The the wirehouses, some of them are pretty competitive right now as far as recruiting, and they're really pushing up the recruiting deals. But then you have more of the smaller firms, the the regional broker-dealers like Raymond James and RBC, and newer entrants like Rockefeller and First Republic are in high demand too. So if you're an advisor, you have a ton of leverage because you have more options. And with more options comes the best possible way that you're going to maximize the opportunity and pick the best place for your business. Advisors in the driver's seat, they have leverage. They're they're sitting there really with so many different options in front of them. Rob, you talk to advisors every day. What are you hearing? Are there a lot of these pushes and pulls? Oh, absolutely. I think that Lewis made a good point. Uh, it, it has to be both ways. It can't be just running from something. They have to be running to something as well. And I think Lewis and, and team and other organizations have done a very good job of educating these advisory teams about the landscape. And not only that, but also really trying to figure out what the, the real catalyst 
for a change and what's most important. So a lot of times when I'm having these conversations, say now versus a couple of years ago, the education that the advisor has right out of the gate is significantly broader. And they're, I'd say, a lot more you know, pragmatic as to what they're looking for today, say, versus a couple of years ago. And, and Rob, I would also add that there's also a real blurring of the lines that's happening. And firms that we would traditionally call broker-dealers, whether it's LPL or Commonwealth or fill-in-the-blank, they've dove head into either the RIA space or to support fee-only advisors. So that's the other piece of it is even the best educated advisors have many more options, even under one roof, which I think is, to me, I think it's a good thing. I think it firms meeting advisors where they are can only be a positive. And that if someone really likes the culture of an organization, that they don't either have to move or they can work with them, but in a way that's more customized to their practice. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's spot on, Lewis. I think that with the new models, it's like there's like splicing of old models becoming newer models, right? Where the advisor, they have no choice but to be more educated because there's just so many options available. But I think it also forces them to go back to what's core, what's most important for my move, as opposed to here's five firms that I see that are potentially good partners. I think they're taking it back a ways and saying, okay, before I go there, let me figure out where my business model needs to be and what's most important for me and my clients. And then at that point, then they're going out to the marketplace. I'm obviously speaking in generalizations, but for the most part, that's the process that we're seeing more so today where they know what characteristics or what levers they're looking for prior to, to really engaging with a firm like ours. And Lewis, it sounds like when you kind of start to blur those lines, you're getting a more customized solution then for it's not one size fits all. It's not, hey, I'm advisor A, I'm going to firm Z. It really starts to change things up at that they get to customize things and go, I want a little of column A and a little of column B, and this is the solution that's right for me. Is that what you guys are seeing? Yeah, th- I think that's right. And I would agree with what Rob just said. Our core to our business is a discovery process. And we think advisors have to be really clear with themselves, but also with us, they choose to work with us on what's driving the bus. What are the issues they're trying to solve for? What are the goals? What resources they rely upon most? Where do they see the practice in three, three to five years? What are they, what's, what's their core competency? What's their superpower? Without that information, it's impossible to make recommendations because it's not a one size fits all environment. So I think that's the big piece of it is without an advisor having a real clear sense of what they're looking for, it's going to be a long and exhaustive process for people like me, Rob, for someone like you, but especially for the advisor. So I think that's right. If you can be prescriptive about what you're looking for, rather than just having someone guess, then you have the opportunity to maximize the best possible outcome, which means only looking at firms or models that make the most sense. And even within that, as we're talking about, there's ways for that firm to either customize um, what's included in the offering. Maybe it's more of an a la carte offering, offering, or we're seeing some really good, more bundled solutions for those who really don't want to figure it all out on their own. I love that phrase. What's their superpower? Rob, you talk to advisors all the time. It, it's got to be so interesting because I, I got to believe that different advisors have different superpowers here, right? You've, you know, sure. you've got your own little, your own little justice league here of superpowers, probably as you bring different advisors on board here, some that are good at A and B, it's got to be so interesting. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's interesting, but it's more complex now, right? I mean, in case in point, I was talking to a 
a, a group this morning, and Lewis, you just made me think of this, where they were trying to really get into why are you thinking about moving? And the comment that came out of the discussion was lifestyle practice, where when I hear that, okay, that for me and our firm sometimes is like a kind of a, a moment of a crossroad moment where I said to the advisor, are you looking to grow or are you looking to maintain? This advisor's built a really good practice. And I think that's an absolutely crucial decision in terms of their next step, because there are firms like ours that really work with advisors that are looking to maybe grow and get to that next level. And there are other organizations where this you know, particular advisor I just mentioned could plug in, keep doing what he's doing and have all that freedom and flexibility and probably the economics, but just in a kind of a, a less restrictive environment than he is, than he has today. And it was one of those where it just took that advisor a little bit of a dialogue to figure out where, what path that advisor wanted to go and what's most important. Lewis, is that a a prime consideration there? Grow or maintain? Uh, As you talk to advisors that are thinking about moving, is that kind of an early stage conversation as they kind of make this decision on where to head next? I think it is because, I mean, normally the assumption is all advisors want to grow, but it's unfair to say that you have to be, you have to grow in order to be a good advisor. I actually kind of respect advisors more when they're honest and say, you know what? I make plenty of money. I'm really comfortable. And all I'm looking to do is serve my clients better. So it is, it's definitely a prime consideration because the solution set might be a little bit different, but you also have to question too, if someone is more of a lifestyle practice, you really have to drill into what would be the motivator to move then? So much of what firms like Integrated and many others specialize in is helping advisors grow. So if someone doesn't want to do that's fine, but then let's figure out how to accentuate their current superpowers. So whether it's, I just want better financial planning resources, or I'm not an investment guy. I want more solutions to outsource my investment uh, portfolios, or I don't really want to grow, but I would really like to have my own brand. I'm limited in, in what I can do with that. So I think that's definitely a prime consideration because it just goes to getting to know each advisor individually versus having a kind of one size fits all approach. Rob, it sounds like it's not just about figuring out what their superpower is, but also figuring out what their Achilles heel is a little bit too, because once you figure out what kind of is missing, it's probably easier for you then to figure out how you can help fill in the gaps. Oh, absolutely. But I, I also think that it's a superpower, but is it can the superpower essentially be harnessed where they are today, right? Is there a catalyst enough? Again, lifestyle practice is a great example. If they're in a lifestyle practice, are they really in a place where they need to make a transition to another firm in order to succeed? Or do they just need some tweaks along the way with their existing partner, right? I think because everybody knows a transition from one firm to the next it's a fair amount of effort, right? And it just, you need to have everything lining up and the motivation needs to be there for the advisor. The catalyst needs to be there. It goes back to the running from and running to, and really that push and pull, as Lewis said, it's got to be there. It can't be just one. You can't be running to something without having issues on the other side. I used to sell custody and I always, I had a, a mentor who told me that essentially custody is, I mean, it's such a complex platform, right? And it's not one in which it's sold. It's typically bought, if you will. You're not selling your consulting. 
And you need to really identify why that partner, why that advisor wants to make that move. And it's just, again, it's doing, it's in Diamond Consultant's name, right? I mean, you're consulting because you're really trying to understand what the motivation is for a big move. Lewis, there's getting back to this kind of superhero thing. It feels less like uh, kind of the Justice League and more like Avengers. Have you seen the end of Endgame? There's about a thousand superheroes that are all running there. To me, it's so interesting because it feels like there's just this surge going on now of options. There's this surge of opportunity and the surge of advisors looking to move. Is this surge something that you expected? This was on the horizon. You mentioned before the pandemic even may have played a factor in all this. Is this a surge you saw coming? I would say Yes and no. So pre-pandemic was still a really active time in the recruiting market. And we fully expected, say in January or December of 2019 even, that 2020 was going to be a banner year for advisor movement. I would be lying if I said March, April, May, I could have expected to see just the complete rebound and advisors being comfortable and ready to move. So some of it we saw because just continuing on with trends with advisors wanting more control and there being really good options for them and packages being at an all-time high. But I think the pandemic was an unexpected um, surprise for, for everyone. But on the recruitment side, it gave advisors an opportunity to work on the business instead of in it. They were all more efficient because they weren't running around meeting with clients all the time weren't traveling for personal reasons, they were home. And like, like anyone, I think had more time to work on themselves. So that was, I think, really important. But also advisors had an opportunity to be in the confines and the privacy of their homes. So when we're working with wirehouse advisors or advisors at different banks, it's all about confidentiality. So if they can do a tech demo, just randomly, hey, just get on right now and do a two-hour tech demo without someone walking into their office, that was also an accelerant. And I think advisors saw the proof was in the pudding. We saw early on some really brave advisors make the leap of the transition without meeting a single client in person. But I know our data, I'm sure Rob, you see saw the same thing. Any of our custodial partners, transitions were actually more effective and quicker during the pandemic than without it. So short answer to your question is, it was somewhat expected, but I think everyone was very surprised that advisor movement, not just resumed to normal, but actually accelerated during the months of the pandemic. And even now, as we're coming out of it, still a ton of momentum. Yeah, I think the pandemic was almost like a slingshot. It, it accentuated some of the issues, ex exacerbated some of the issues that were going on. A lot of these large organizations had to pivot during the pandemic, and they just couldn't do it. And I think it really shedded some light on some really big gaps within some of the larger firms offerings where, you know, wirehouse advisors, probably a perfect example. There was a lot of infrastructure there, but a lot of it is actually accessible when you're physically in an office. And they were, a lot of the wirehouse organizations were trying to figure out what that pivot was for months during the pandemic, while a lot of other organizations that are more agile because they're just smaller, were able to really respond quite quickly and adapt very quickly. And I think it was that along with, again, some of the you know larger organizations really were in a situation where it just exacerbated the issues or highlighted the issues that the advisors had. Yep. Completely agree, Rob. And this is a really good example. We had a billion dollar plus team from UBS that transitioned in May of the pandemic. The first big transition that we saw 
they weren't allowed in their office when they're at UBS. They couldn't see their clients. And there's just an overall sense of being managed to lowest common denominator. Of course, everyone wants to be safe and no one's going to meet a client if they're not comfortable. But it was the fact that regardless of what part of the country um, and regardless of what an advisor's own moral or kind of personal um, preferences were, they were completely locked out of going into their office, seeing clients and, and really running their business. So you take this advisory team, they go independent. They're not only moving into a brand new office, they're seeing clients where it makes sense. The whole team with masks is in there for the transition. And it was just a really cool opportunity to see just the light and day of exactly what happens when you have full control over the business. I think that was a really good example of advisors being managed to the middle or to the lowest possible person across everything. But especially the pandemic, I think, was, was a magnifying glass on what a lot of advisors were feeling already. Yeah, it was a very interesting time last year. We had a team join in July, right before the 4th of July, which in a normalized environment, we would have said absolutely not. But the fact that everybody is home, everybody is, you you can essentially access everybody at that point. And it was incredibly efficient transition just because of where we were. So it, it really helped. At first, I thought it was in obviously March was a very like questionable time for recruiting. And as things started to develop in terms of where we were as an industry pivoting, I think the eyes opened, if you will, in terms of transitioning during the pandemic, because again, your clients, chances are you're going to reach your clients during the pandemic. I mean, it's funny. It's up until recently, every time I called my mom and dad, I knew they were going to answer because they were home. Right. I mean, it's just that. So it, it really helped, I think, accelerate the whole recruiting process. So Lewis, with so many options, so many opportunities now, and, and having seen that for this past year, how simple it might have been for some of your friends to transition and make moves, other advisors, why are some advisors still stuck in neutral here? Yeah. So first off, I'll say it's never simple to transition. It's always far more work than someone bargains for. There might be some ways, whether it's e-signature technology or what Rob said, your clients probably being home, that, that helps, but still a lot of work. I think the biggest reason some advisors are, are stuck in neutral is just inertia. It's even though there's plenty of movement, there's plenty of frustration going on, the market is, is way up. Advisors are coming off, for the most part, their best year ever. Many advisors gathered a ton of assets during the pandemic because they were more communicative and were more on top of things than their counterparts. And when business is good, it's hard to think about disrupting momentum. So I think that's the biggest thing is just, we always say, inertia is Diamond Consultant's biggest competitor. It's not another recruiting firm. It's not LPL or Morgan Stanley. It's inertia. It's advisors doing nothing because it is a lot of work. And honestly, most advisors, regardless of what firm they're at, have way more control over their careers than any other profession. They make a ton of money. And when life is good, it's hard to justify upsetting the apple cart. You see that too, Rob, is inertia your biggest enemy? Always has been. Absolutely. I mean, it goes back to what I said. This is, there's got to be a catalyst for change. And, and if there isn't, it's really not something that you should lean on. I, I think a great example of an advisor that should probably not make the move is, is especially in the wirehouses, is you've got two types of advisors there, entrepreneurial driven and not. And if they're not, 
there's really no, I mean, to pick up and move to another, to the independent side is, a, is just a, it's a monumental task and, and the mentality to do that, it takes a special person. And you can really figure that out quite quickly with some of these advisory teams within the wirehouses where they've been there for 20, 30 years and they just, that's the world they know and they appreciate and that's great. And then that's one of those where you've got to drill down and understand why are we having this conversation to begin with? to better understand if there's really a catalyst and then turn around and go, you know what? I'm not sure you're ready for a move. So Rob, what can great advisors do to get more comfortable when it comes to making a move? It goes back to what we've been talking about the entire you know, podcast education, just spending time with the diamond consultants of the world and, and others just to really understand what is out there. But again, why are you looking in the first place. And I, I think this all just com- comes down to being really educated as to what's going on. And I think you owe it as an advisor. We always talk about fiduciary responsibility to the client. Well, you also have a fiduciary responsibility. Maybe that word is a little bit of a stretch, but you have a responsibility to your client to make sure that you are on the best you know, platform or have the best partner to better support that client and you know, further maybe provide further opportunity to support that client. So it's really the responsibility of that advisor to every once in a while ensure that they are at the right place. Yep. Yeah, Rob, totally agree with you. I think it's it's two components. It's education is definitely the first part. And whether it's working with, with my firm, working with someone like you directly, you're always extremely consultative, even just reading, read Michael Kitsis's blog, read industry publications, I don't always put it, put stock in what Advisor Hub puts out, but but there's you can at least understand trends. If you don't understand what else is out there, it's hard to know whether you're in the best possible spot. And the second component is we have a, a proprietary self-assessment we take advisors through. And I'd be happy to send a shortened version to anyone who's interested that just gets them really clear on, on what their goals are. And if you're on a team, understanding where everyone's at. Because I completely agree with Rob. The the lens to to consider a move through is Tigers the runner. If you don't find something that's more than better enough than what you currently have, you're going to stay because it's a ton of work. But you don't really know if you're in the best possible spot without at least every once in a while, not every week, even every year, but every couple of years, at least just test to make sure that your current firm is as competitive as you think it is. Because there's a lot of Kool-Aid drinking that goes on at different organizations. And if you have your blinders on, you don't understand how your technology is progressing versus the competition. Sometimes you don't know if you're getting the right economics. You don't know where recruitment deals are and is it the right time to monetize the business. So not saying to look around gratuitously, um, but to use Rob's analogy, if you're a fiduciary for your clients, part of it's making sure you have the best toolkit and that you're in the best possible platform to serve them to the best of your ability. So Lewis, what's ahead? What can we expect as we look towards the horizon of 2021 and beyond? What is on your radar at Diamond Consultants? Yeah, I guess there's quite a bit. I think we're going we're to continue to see an acceleration of wirehouse teams heading for the exit. But at the same time, we're actually seeing certain wirehouses do a really good job in restocking the pond. So Certain firms aren't really recruiting, but others are doing a really good job. So I think, again, it comes back to competition. The wirehouses were taking a back seat. They were just having people picked off, but they weren't recruiting at the same time. But now that they're back in, they're a very formidable competitor for much of the industry. 
But we're also seeing that alternatives to, to wirehouses have become extremely popular. They're firms that focus on their culture and advisor control. And of course, I mean, we're huge fans of the independent space. About half of everything we're working on is helping advisors either go independent for the first time, or it's a transition or a transaction within the independent ecosystem. And within the independent side, I think there's a handful of really competitive broker dealers and platforms that are well above the rest. And if you're not at one of the, say, top six, seven, or eight broker dealers, you're probably behind. And you also have the counterbalance of the RA channel. And it's really interesting to see what Goldman Sachs is going to do as they enter the custody space and with where interest rates are, how the other custodians are going to react and how they're going to really have a counterpunch to what should be a pretty powerful proposition by Goldman. So I think, again, lots of options. I think we're going to see a, a um, continued amount of movement. But we're expecting there's not going to be one winner in all of this. It's not going to be the independent space picking up all the market share. I think because advisors are all different and they all value different things, there's really a place for all these different models across the spectrum of the industry. And it's not a blanket, this is going to be the best firm for you. It really depends upon what they're looking for and what their sensibilities are. Feels like a, a real renaissance for the RA movement as this breakaway model continues. We continue to see more of it. Rob, what do you think? What's ahead? I think Lewis is spot on. I mean, it, it's the industry is forcing us to be better and better, and, and we've got to continue to be progressive in terms of our offering. The wirehouses are restocking, if you will, kind of recalibrating, and you certainly can't count them out. That's for sure. And I think our competition. As we continue to evolve, our competition continues to evolve. And it's just, we're all making ourselves better, if you will, because the options are plentiful and the education, whether it's like we talked about through like a diamond consultant or reading or just talking to other people that have made the move to independence, there's just so much data out there. And it's just that there's a lot of choice. And I always say that the beauty of it is like the independent side is there's a lot of choice. The curse of the independent side is there's a lot of choice, right? So you've got to really find a partner that can help you kind of narrow that down. But I think it's exciting because there continues to be evolution across the space and new ways in which to do business. I've always said our business is fairly commoditized and there's not a lot of creative thinking. Well, I, I definitely think that has changed over the last handful of years. Yeah. And, and Rob, one thing I'll add is just a plug for what your organization does. It's hard for many advisors to grow organically. I think that the next wave of platforms, it's not just going to be who can do compliance and who has access to Orion and e-money and kind of the commoditized stuff, but it's how are you going to help me grow? And some firms will say, we'll help you grow because we'll take everything off your plate. But there's fewer that are going to say, we'll help you grow. We'll introduce you to CPAs. We'll get new clients in front of you. So I think that's talking about what's next. I think um, there's going to be a lot of people who to try to emulate what integrated does so well. And in general, we talked about lifestyle practice earlier, but most advisors want to grow. So if you're a recruiting yeah. firm, it's how are you going to tangibly demonstrate how partnering with me is going to help me grow that much faster? That, that's the critical element because there's a lot of good firms that can do the easy stuff probably at a cheaper price than firms you're considering. So it's all about connecting the dots. How are we going to grow faster together? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, appreciate that by the way, but I, I think in our lens, from our lens, it's 
the legal, the compliance, the tech, those are table stakes. That's a ticket to get into the game, right? You have to have that. It has to blocking and tackling has to be there. After that, it's really where it makes a difference. And I think what the biggest challenge for a firm like ours, any firm out there, is making it tangible for the advisor, having them really understand what it means to, if we're doing the due diligence properly, at the end of that process, that advisor can really envision what it sit, what it feels like to be sitting at integrated, leveraging the resources, and feel really good because we painted the picture that gives them a, a tangible feel as to what it would be like if they were to make that move over to integrated. It's really an exciting time to be an advisor. It's exciting to be in the business. It's exciting to see this evolution continue. Gentlemen, thanks for a great conversation. I have one more question for you both. And I always like to close with a question from my nine-year-old son. I told him all about you, Lewis. I told him you're a rising star in the industry. I told him you work with your family. So he asked, what's the hardest thing about working with your parents? I can't stand to even clean the garage with my dad because he's too bossy. I guess we all know where I stand when cleaning the garage, but uh, Lewis, what do you think? What's the hardest thing about working with family? I love it. That's a great question. Yeah. I have the privilege of working alongside both my mom and dad, which is pretty unique. In the beginning, I would say the, the hard part was seeing them as boss versus seeing them as mom and dad. So you said, cleaning the garage. The example we use was emptying the dishwasher. It would be like, Lewis, you got to empty the dishwasher and be like, no, I don't want to. So it was kind of getting over um, that side of it. But we really moved past it pretty quickly. I actually refer to both of them by their first names in a professional context versus mom and dad, which is helpful. And now we've developed a cadence where, of course, if it's a family dinner, there's going to be some work talk. But for my wife and my brother's wife's sake, we try to, we try to keep that to a minimum. And because we just love the business, but it's overcoming that, like the separation between mom and dad and the personal versus boss and business partner. Well, I've coached with my father for about 20 years, and I tend to call him pops out on the field because it's much easier than dad. And you know, mm-hmm. he, he's my assistant coach. Not the same thing at all. We we aren't running a business at all, but we do argue quite a bit on the ball field. Well, see, I feel like now we've had a real complete episode of Perfectly Integrated, Lewis. You've gotten to hear me make at least three baseball references. We <laughs> talked about Endgame. I really feel like uh, you're part of the family here now. So it was a great time today, Lewis. Thanks so much for joining us. And Rob, I'm, I'm glad we didn't talk about the Yankees today. It's it's a really dark you can talk about the Red Sox if you'd like. No, let's end here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank you so thanks, much, Matt. Rob. Thanks, Lewis. Thanks, thanks, thanks to everyone for another great episode of Perfectly Integrated. Thanks so much. Content in this material is for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. Lewis Diamond of Diamond Consultants is a separate entity and not affiliated with Integrated Partners and LPL Financial. 